Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And this is part two of some historical animals you should know. In our last podcast, we talked about the Tower of London menagerie, Pablo Escobar's hippos, and Darwin's tortoise. But there are so very many more interesting stories that we dug up. And we're going to start with Winston Churchill, who has a very, very interesting pet. He does. So Winston Churchill, born 1874, died 1965, is best known for his leadership during World War II. That's what most people request him for on the podcast, not because of his very interesting pet. But um, he decided from the first to fight Hitler, and that's what he's most famous for. He's considered a national hero and possibly the greatest statesman of the 20th century. He also had a career in the House of Commons for 60 years. He was a war correspondent and a Nobel Prize winning author. Uh, he escaped from a Boer prison camp. The guy's got everything going for him as far as an interesting life history. So you might associate him with an animal like a lion or, you know, something noble and strong. Regal and powerful. Yeah, maybe not a platypus. But the platypus is called the world's most interesting mammal, Sarah. And Churchill agreed. So this platypus named Jill gave birth to a baby in captivity in Australia, and people were really excited about it. You know, it's such a strange and interesting animal. Uh, there was still so much to learn about breeding them in captivity. So in February 1943, which was at the height of the war, Churchill sent a message to the Australian prime minister asking for six of them, and it was to be this hush-hush wartime mission, you know, this this getting of our, of our platypuses, and I'm still not entirely sure why, if it had something to do with British morale or public interest. Like it Church- would be a surprise? Like, look, I got six platypuses. Well, it would have been the first Platypi. living... <laughs> I don't know. It would have been the first living platypus in Europe, which would be huge, or maybe he just had well, a personal thing for them. And maybe because the journey would be risky, he didn't want everybody to know and be disappointed if something bad happened. There's, there's probably that's good a, then. That's a hint. <laughs> so an Australian man built a special traveling platypusery for the animal he chose, which he named Winston, and it was complete with worms and little grubs for it to eat. And our animal did very well on its voyage until submarines near England, just days from their landing in Liverpool, detonated depth charges under the ship. And the animal was so sensitive, it sense organs, that it ended up dying before they arrived. But later made Churchill's desk its home. Well, it was stuffed, of course. Such a sad first entry to start with. A lot of these historical (laughs) animal stories end up with with dead animals, but at least Churchill had good intentions. Our next story, unfortunately, also deals with an animal (laughs) death, but... Dare I say it's entertaining? Maybe it is. It is entertaining, but tragic. Maybe a little too. bit. So this next one is Tycho Brahe, who was born in 1546 and died in 1601. He was born in Denmark in what's now Sweden. And we've gotten several requests for Tycho. He's a pretty interesting guy. We've got an excerpt from an email from Mike in Columbia, Missouri. He said, I'm particularly intrigued by Tycho Brahe, who had a silver fake nose and a tame moose that died from falling down the stairs while drunk. 
That was the moose. Tycho himself probably died of uremia, but there is some question, which means you knew it had to be coming. There's an exhumation coming. And he lost his nose in a duel, by the way, with another student, but his career was not haver of a silver nose. We'd also like to make a note that it may well have been a different metal. Some stories say it's silver, some say it's gold, some say it's copper. A silver nose would be obnoxious because you'd have to take it off and polish it all the time. But but think of how awesome it would be, Sarah. I think you're missing <laughs> you're missing the point here. And I'm just saying gold might be sort of a better might be a better option. Better option as far as upkeep. Well, we'll think about it a little bit later, what to do with our our possible missing noses in the future. But he was an astronomer. He built a fabulous observatory and several very advanced astronomical instruments, which unfortunately have been lost. But he's known especially for his meticulous observations, his astronomical observations, which together with his assistant, Johann Kepler's, were better than anything anyone had ever seen. They made a really spectacular team. But there are all these strange stories about Tycho. And one that's mentioned frequently is the story that Mike wrote to us about, and that's the moose getting intoxicated off of beer and falling down the stairs and dying. Um, so I guess that's what happens when you try to entertain a nobleman. Yeah, I'd like to know how a moose got into the store of someone's beer. It sounds like something that would happen at a fraternity party. Yeah, I have a hard time imagining just like, not at an astronomer's party. The moose got into the beer again. Uh Uh-oh. Seems like somebody (laughs) probably gave the moose beer. Our next stories are a little more fun. We're going to start with John Quincy Adams, who was born in 1767, died in 1848. And he was a U.S. president and the son of a U.S. president, but he wasn't very popular. People found him cold, and they didn't believe that he should have won the presidency over Jackson. Adams himself thought Jackson was a, quote, barbarian. But he was known for being a really great diplomat. And in this very long diplomatic career, he laid the groundwork for the Monroe Doctrine and helped the U.S. acquire Florida and oppose the expansion of slavery. But he also acquired a few interesting pets, it seems. Well, and maybe if people knew about this, they would see the more whimsical yeah, side of his on him. slightly morose personality. You know, I think he might have been into swimming in the nude, too. I don't know if that helps sway oh. anyone's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but he was given a gift from the Marquis de Lafayette, a French ally during the Revolution, an alligator, and he kept it in the East Room bathtub. He also had some silkworms, or his wife kept silkworms, which people thought was quite strange. But he's certainly not the only White House resident with an odd pet. I couldn't pick just one, so we're going to tell you about a few of them. I know. Katie was entertaining me earlier today with all these pictures of White House pets. It was extremely distracting. (laughs) Sorry, battled marathon. (laughs) So Calvin Coolidge had a raccoon named Rebecca that walked on a leash, and the Coolidges also had a wallaby, a pygmy hippo, a goose, a donkey, a bobcat, lion cubs, and a bear. Teddy Roosevelt also had a lion because that's the cool pet to have if you're president. We already talked about his badger, Josiah, but he also had his own menagerie made of rats. Which, Not a pet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, a donkey, bears, roosters, a raccoon, snakes and lizards, a coyote, a wildcat, a zebra, an owl, and more. Yeah, I, I just got tired of typing after a while. That gives a while, you a, a good repu- representation to start with. 
Woodrow Wilson is known for the sheep that grazed the White House lawn, but his pets actually had a noble purpose. It was wartime, and he wanted to cut down on groundskeeping costs. And their wool was also auctioned to raise funds for the Red Cross. The most famous of the sheep was named Old Ike, and that was a ram who liked to chew tobacco. And Taft also had a similarly useful pet, um, a cow, Pauline Wayne, who was the last cow at the White House. And she provided the presidential family with milk. So very helpful indeed. And another present, the King of Siam gave Buchanan a herd of elephants. But my absolutely favorite story, apparently President Johnson fed some mice that lived in the White House and I guess we're just his little friends. He left them flower at night when he was going through some, Cinderella. some political troubles, which is the saddest, sweetest presidential story I have read so today. I think we've learned from this that you are pro-mice, anti-rat. anti absolutely. And yeah. we want more stories about countries' leaders and their pets. We just focused on U.S. presidents because, of course, that's what we know. So send us some. We're at HistoryPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. But we're going to move on now to the next entry on our list. You've realized already that we have bonus entries here with all those presidential mentions. We still have a few more to cover in depth, though. And that is Empress Josephine and her orangutan. She was born in 1763 and died in 1814. Josephine. Yes. Well, did you know that her name wasn't really Josephine? That one came from her husband, Napoleon Bonaparte. Her full name was Marie-Joseph Rose Tasher de la Pagerie, and her friends called her Rose. And I say beware of husbands who change your name. I think it's a little bit creepy. Everyone knew her as Rose, and then all of a sudden she was Josephine. It's like if I told everyone that Sarah's real name was Myrtle. Not true, but Katie can't rename me. (laughs) So Josephine, or Rose at this point, her first husband was guillotined during the terror, and she was arrested. But once that horror was over, she rebounded with a lot of affairs with politicians. And one of them was the famous Napoleon, who proposed to her. But you could kind of describe the early years of their marriage together as a one-sided romance. It seemed like Napoleon cared deeply for Josephine. He went off to Italy, wrote her all these letters. We mentioned this in the Egypt and Savants episode, actually. Yes, many, many love letters. Very devoted to Josephine. And then when he hears that she's been sleeping with someone else, he's absolutely crushed and then quite cold to her from there on out. When she hadn't been writing him back either, which can't be great when you're in Italy during war. But she became Empress of France when he was crowned in 1804, and she was loved by the people. But she wasn't able to give her husband an heir, and his relatives even tried to poison her so they could get someone better equipped to give them one. And Napoleon divorced her in December 1809, saying it was for the good of France because they needed his heir. And it said she died of a broken heart, even though her death came many, many years after their separation. She'd had to leave their home with her parrots and her dogs. But that isn't the most famous pet she had. Instead, it's the orangutan. Yeah, so this naval officer brought the empress a very unusual gift, the gift of an orangutan. Who doesn't want that? Um, But it was kind of sick for a while, and it had to be nursed by a famous naturalist and zoologist, uh, Georges Cuvier. And he was very impressed by the orangutan's intelligence and its self-defense and awareness. Uh, 
kind of made a friend in him. Yeah, we were trying to remember, too, if he was one of the savants. His name sounds very familiar. We'll so to, we'll if we didn't talk about up. him, he might have been in that book. We'll have to look that one up later. But Empress Josephine liked to dress her orangutan in a coat and invited it to the dinner table. And like many of the others we've mentioned, she didn't just stop there. She also had black swans, a vulture, gazelles, and flying squirrels, among many, many other animals. She even had a herd of Swiss cattle, and she hired a shepherd and shepherdess to take care of them. Candace would be so thrilled if she could be a shepherdess. It's her dream career. Well, Katie and I were talking about this earlier. It would probably be a pretty nice job. Like, it'd be maybe like a reenactor, sort of. Nothing too gross would be allowed to happen. No, like, I was nice thinking costume. Colonial Williamsburg, or like reading the human guinea pig article yeah. from Slate, where she went to be a reenactor. I was almost thinking of Marie Antoinette playing Swiss chalet yes, country absolutely. life. I don't know. Maybe it would be like that. At the Petit Trianon. Sorry, I'm I'm screwing up my words today. Um, Our next person is Salvador Dali and Babu the Ocelot, which I saved for last, Sarah, because I know it's your favorite animal. I love ocelots. So starting with a little Salvador Dali biography, he was born 1904, died 1989, and he is the Spanish surrealist, perhaps best known for painting those melting clocks and also known for his extremely eccentric behavior. And his mustache. And his mustache. i got to give him that. He would probably be a competitive entry in the beard and mustache competition. The High Museum in Atlanta has a Dolly exhibition right now, and they've got all these huge billboards with Dolly and his mustache on all of them. And I just love him peering out so, over traffic. Right on Peachtree Road, there's like a giant billboard of of Dolly. <laughs> his personal life was turbulent but fascinating, particularly his relationship with his wife, Gala, who was also his muse. And his reputation was also marred by his association with and perhaps admiration of Franco's regime in Spain. But instead of delving farther into his delving further, excuse me, into his politics, we're going to talk about one of the lighter aspects of his life. Yeah, he had an ocelot, which I think most of you know that I love ocelots. And this particular animal's name was Babu. And he had a very exciting life. Probably Much more exciting than <laughs> ours, more exciting. Sarah, which is disappointing. Um, he'd get taken up to the top of the Eiffel Tower and to the lobby in New York City's St. Regis Oh, they'd both hang out in the lobby of the St. Regis. So, I mean, that sounds pretty good already. It's a good conversation starter. However, Babu was declawed and defanged, which sounds really unfortunate. Um, and he slept in an empty TV set and ate dog food and liver and dolly socks. So I don't know. I'm starting to maybe change my opinion on how much more exciting his life was. <laughs> if, if I could pick, you don't sleep in an empty pick and TV choose. <laughs> but I guess the nice thing about that one is clearly that his pet was well-loved and well-taken care of. And as we've seen through a lot of these stories that we've talked about, not many of them are. It was more acquiring animals as some sort of sign of power. Like, look at the exotic things I'm able to get without knowing anything about them or, or how to treat them. And committing to them too. Some of these animals live for a very long time and it seems like their famous owners lost interest pretty quickly as soon as the novelty wore off. <laughs> like many kids when they get a puppy for Christmas, yeah. thinking that after 101 Dalmatians when there are all those Dalmatian puppies just And the chihuahuas left. after the Taco Bell commercials. Yeah. Same deal. 
But it's really interesting, too, when we're looking back. There are many, many stories that we weren't able to put in this podcast. But the tradition of giving these exotic animals as pets Mm -hmm. to world leaders is just so interesting to me. I don't think you'd be able to get away with it as much here unless you could prove that it would be taken care of adequately. Well, that's what zoos are for today. And you see that in some of these ones we've talked about, actually, the world leader ends up being forced to give his exotic animal away to the zoo. But if if we're thinking modern times, I mean, countries do still exchange animals between their zoos. So maybe yeah. that's sort of the replacement. But our presidents are sticking more to cats and dogs these days instead of <laughs> Something raccoons. Something they can take care of and people can identify with. <laughs> But if you would like to tell us, again, the story of some interesting historical figures and their fabulous pets, please email us at historypodcast at howstuffworks.com. We're also on Facebook. We've got a fan page and on Twitter at Mist in History. And if you'd like to read a little bit more about Salvador Dali, you can search our homepage for his name at www.howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. 